0: Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward podcast. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This guy said, I have CDO. And his friend said, what is CDO? He said, well, it's a condition. It's kind of like OCD, but in alphabetical order as it should be. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think I have part of that anyway. So that's really what this chapter is about. Okay. This chapter is about putting or developing. That's the theme of this chapter. And there are two basic sections of the chapter after the, the first verse is an introduction. So the first uh, chapter 11, verse 2 to verse 16. Verse 2 to verse 16 deals with the order of men and women in worship. That's what it deals with. And then verse 17 to verse 34, which I don't think we're going to get to today. And it deals with the Lord's Supper. And maybe we'll just intro it. We also know that as communion or the bread and the grape juice or the wafer and the little cups or however you, you know, maybe experienced it growing up and what that is and how to develop the right order of the Lord's Supper. And there's a right way to do it. Say, preacher, but we don't do that. Actually, we have. Has it been a long time? We even probably have some extra little cups. And God's laying on my heart to do it again. Maybe when the kids go back to school, kind of like a, you know, life- Is going to change for a lot of people. Kids are going, and that you know, schedule changes during the day. So I think that'd be kind of a good time to first teach on it, so we know what it is, and then uh, have communion. Have you ever had communion before, growing up? Kind of, yeah. Hey, praise God. Okay, it's a blessing. It's something that Jesus instituted. It's a sacrament, and so it's it's a real blessing. So. Uh, and we're probably not going to teach about it tonight. But you can read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll teach about it next Tuesday. So developing the right order in church. So one of the first things you learn as a kid is this little song about the letters of the alphabet. And it's not like ZQX and BCY. I mean, it's the ABCs. So they learn and you learn them in order. And then after you sing it and you're so excited, you said, huh, now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? Well, it's exciting to learn order. So kids are learning order. So uh, in DNA, that's that's the genetic code that we all have in all of our cells, right? That's an order. There's four bases in there. So there's four different things. And they they pair up and we give them letters, right? Because to actually say what the thing is, it's kind of like a scientific term. C, G, A, and T. So there's like billions of these little bases arranged in a certain way to make you who you are. But they're in a certain order. In fact, you share the same DNA, with the guy next to you on the subway or the, you know, in line at McDonald's, you share 99.9% of your DNA with someone else. That 0.1, which is in a slightly different order of those C, G, A, and T, those little bases that, so the DNA looks like a ladder that you twist up. That's what DNA looks like. And those little rungs that are on the ladder, it's called a double helix, but it looks like a twisted up ladder. so what it looks like. And... Those little rungs are arrangements of those little C, G, A, and T. And they are your genetic code. That's all your information. And if they're in a slightly different order, you look like a slightly different person. So that it, the order makes a difference. And what I'm sharing is that order makes a difference. So for computers... Computers also use order, and stuff is has to be just so. So when you're coding, the computer has a language. Did you know that? And it's not C, G, A, and T. It's ones and zeros, basically. It doesn't have to be ones and zeros, but it's binary. So there are two different symbols. So like uh, the letter A might be like zero, I'm making this up, but like it might be zero, 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 one, zero. That's what the letter A is to a computer. So the arrangement of those zeros and ones represents gobbledygook to most of us, but to a computer, it's the code that makes your phone run when you turn it on. It's zero, zero, one, zero, 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 one, and it's a bunch of groups of these things because There is an importance of the order of the DNA. There's importance of the order of the letters of the alphabet, right? Or if you're, what is it, CDO instead of OCD. It's importance of the letters to get the right outcome. So Paul is going to write later in his letter to the Corinthians. He said, let all things be done decently and in order. So verse 1, the general theme of the chapter, Paul initiates it, and he said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And so this really sets the tone for Christianity. Examples are powerful things. I remember seeing this uh, commercial, and this kid was doing drugs, right? And his dad catches him, right, in the commercial. And his dad, you know, says, where did you learn to do those drugs? And you know what the kid said? From you! I learned it by watching you! And it was talking about being a good example to your children. And I I don't remember what kind of drugs he was doing, but I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful. Why? Because kids watch their parents for how to act. And true as well, Paul did not just preach instructions to the church, but Paul lived the life that he told others to imitate. He said, do it like me. If I'm walking and you follow me, take the same path, make the same turns, we're going to get to the same place, right? That's that's how it works. Or if you're in a car or in an airplane. Well, spiritually, the same is true. If you follow someone spiritually... You'll wind up where they wind up. That's the way that it works. And that's what Paul was saying. So ministers can preach effectively to people, the hearers, when they say, follow my example. Now, I mean, there's even a current situation that I'm thinking about. So Paul is not talking about blind faith to a preacher. That's not what Paul is talking about. We have to look at what he said. And you can really get in trouble if you're just like, well, whatever pastor says, it's the gospel. No. The gospel is the gospel. What pastor says is what pastor says. If it matches, play that game where you flip the cards over, and if it's two of the matching cards, you get to pick them up. If what the pastor says is the same as what the Bible says, Aha! That's what Paul said you should follow, okay? So we should, Paul said, follow me even also as I follow Christ. So he's putting that in there. He doesn't just say, listen to the pastor blindly. No. So how do I know what Christ says? Haha! that's why we have a Bible. That's why we're in Bible study, right? We need to know what Christ would do. And that's what you get from reading your Bible. You know what Jesus would do and what he wouldn't do. And also another thing to do is pray, okay? The Holy Ghost will deal with you. Sometimes you'll learn to trust your spidey sense. Have you ever overridden your spidey sense? The Holy Ghost is dealing with you and you don't yield to it and you don't do it anyway and you're like, oh, that's why I shouldn't have done that. The Holy Ghost. So we have the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. So Paul is saying, watch the lives of people and see if what you read in the Bible matches up and follow that example, not just the words that someone says, but their actions. You've ever heard he say, someone say you talk the talk, but do you walk the walk? That's usually before a fight, right? But really you want to actually watch someone's walk. So Paul is saying, uh, Brethren, as I follow Jesus, follow me. And that's, that's quite a, uh, the examples of, of, the, of the Christian in the church should be the pastor and his wife. What the pastor looks like, how the pastor dresses, how the pastor treats his kids, how the pastor does everything. And so a preacher, it's not fair. I know, but you do live in a fishbowl when you're a pastor. And it's because people are wondering how a Christian should do something. Now, if I drop my ice cream on the floor, that's not that you should drop your ice cream on the floor, okay? But you can watch their spiritual walk. You should be. That's one of the things you should be able to do in a Christian church. Watch the life of the pastor and of the pastor's wife. Verses 2 to 16. So we're going to develop, this is the first section, the order of men and women in the worship service. And a lot was going on in Corinth. The first thing Paul does is something that we have probably not done. And I know I haven't done right all times. Is before he corrects them, he praises them. He says something good about them. He said, now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things. That you're praying for me. Thanks for praying for me. And keep the ordinances, the teachings, the doctrines as I delivered them to you you know if you have to correct someone it's profitable to say something good about them to commend something in their life now this shows that you're not trying to correct them with the with the wrong attitude right from the wrong motive but you desire a good outcome if someone thinks you care about them have you ever heard people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And Paul cared about them, and he said, hey, good job on these things. Uh, So the church wasn't really necessarily doing the wrong thing. They were worshiping, and what I'm about to read you, but they were doing the right thing, worshiping the wrong way. Matthew Henry, who wrote a Bible commentary, said, we must not only be concerned to do good, but that the good we do be well done. Verse 3. And here he goes and begins to jump into the order of men and women in worship of the in the church. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Now, it's interesting... To know what we're talking about when we say something. Because what does head mean? It can mean the thing on your shoulders. It can also mean other things. When I was in Bible school, uh, I taught this to another brother. And so we were in the dorm, right? And this brother would walk around with this deep voice saying, Get out of my head! Get out of my head! And so another brother who was in the army, but he's very spiritual. He said, Wow, brother that's awesome. You're rebuking the devil. That's awesome. Like, get out of my head, right? It's not what the brother was saying. Because in the military, in the Marine Corps, and in the Navy, the head is the term that they use for the bathroom, the potty, the toilet. And in the dorm, you had to share potties, okay? So if another brother was taking too long, this brother would come up and say, get out of my bathroom. But he used the word Head. So what I'm saying is that we have to understand what head means here. And the head that they're talking about right here is not what they're talking about. They're they're talking about the uh, superior. So I would have, you know, have you ever heard of headmaster? You know, someone who's in charge of a British school, but I would have, you know, that the superior, the head of every man, not the thing with the ears on it, but the superior of every man is Christ. The superior of the woman is the man. Now, it didn't say men were superior to women. Okay, This is talking about the uh, hierarchy of, of creation and different things. And the head of Christ is God. When Jesus was on the earth, was he not submitted to his Father? When he was on the cross, what did he say? He said... I'm God. No, he said, not my will. That was in the Garden of Gethsemane, rather. Not my will, but thine be done. He said in John chapter 8, verse 29, he said, The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. He was servant to the Father to show, and this isn't meaning, what I'm about to share, this isn't meaning that, Men are better than women in any way. But this is just an order that's set forth in the Bibles that everybody carries around. So we have an order. So we see God being the Father, then Christ, then man, then woman as a spiritual. Say, well, preacher, what if a woman's not married? A man isn't greater than a woman, but there would be a spiritual leader if her over would be a pastor. If she's a, a young lady, it'd be... Her father, if he's a Christian, right? If he's a Christian. So, verse 4. So that sets that, Paul is setting this in there because there were some things going on in the Corinthian church with praying and prophesying. Every man praying or preaching, prophesying, having his head covered. So, there's two different ways that we use head, right? So, having this head that's on your shoulders covered, dishonoreth his head. His superior who is what Jesus and I know this a little confusing but I want to differentiate what they're saying so but every woman that prayeth or prophesieth preaches with her head uncovered now that's speaking of her head on her shoulders uncovered dishonoreth her head her superior which is her husband uh, or the pastor the superior uh, spiritual superior for that is even all one as if she were shaven for if the woman be not covered let her also be shorn that means to have her hair cut but if she it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven let her be covered that's a whole lot isn't it right there so They used to wear, and some of this goes into that they would wear veils and different things in the Corinthian church. The women would cover their heads with these with these long veils. And so that was a covering that was very common at those days. And evidently, and there are different sources that say different things, that that women were showing their superiority and their, their their freedom in Christ, but they were kind of taking a step ahead and they were they were taking off their veils and they were prophesying or preaching without wearing these coverings. And nobody wears veils anymore, okay? But customs have meanings in societies, okay? And in that society, even it's today, a lot of women who get married, what do they do? They wear a veil when they get, and uh, was was it Isaac's wife? That uh, when she came to him in Genesis, she put her veil on as a sign of subjection. So it was a, it was something very feminine and something that showed their subjection to their husband and their subjection to God in this culture, okay? And so he was saying uh, evidently that women were taking their veils off and men were saying, hey, we're new age, so we can wear veils. So it doesn't have any meaning to us, but I'm going to share why... Paul explains all this, and there's a deeper meaning here, because if you were to look in, it would look like the men were acting like women, and the women were acting like men. And that's why Paul introduces what, he's at, what he introduces. He said, uh, for if the woman's not covered, let her also, let her chop her hair off. And he was trying to say something to shock them, right? But if it be a shame, because they're recovering like, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn, which means to have your hair cut or to be buzz cutted like me, uh, let her be covered. Okay. And it's not necessarily, this is really, it's not about the veils. This is about the division or the order of the sexes. Okay. So Paul said to cut your hair was like to shave it. It was the same thing, but he was marking it as a position of shame because Long hair has been associated with a woman's femininity forever, okay? So, in Nazi Germany, so during World War II, Nazis, the the Germans overtook France, okay? Occupied it. And after the Nazis were defeated, the liberated French began to round up some of these women that were working with the enemy, the Nazis, during the time of occupation whether they were prostitutes or business people they were giving favor to the enemy and the french didn't like that so i'm not agreeing with what they did but you can see a lot of pictures of this there's a lot of pictures uh, from world war ii they wanted to shame these women for working with the enemy you know what they did to them shaved their heads. they shaved their heads yes. i mean and then they paraded them and I'm not saying that's right, please. I'm not saying that's right. My point is that they wanted to shame these women and the greatest shame that they could think of. And they didn't fe- think, I don't think they hurt them or anything, but uh, they, there's pictures of them being herded throughout because to be that uncovered, if you're a woman, to have that hair taken off, they wanted to shame their femininity. So that's what they did. Again, I'm not saying that was right, but it's a matter of history. And that's what Paul is saying, that a woman should want to have that covering on. So let's continue. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head. And this is saying that a man, not, it, I don't know if they were wearing veils or if the guys just said, well, I'm going to grow my hair real long. You know, one way or the other, they were causing a disorder in the division of the sexes. You know, there's men and women, and they're not the same, okay? For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. He's supposed to be a manifestation of, you know, God made man in his own image, right? And then the woman he took out from the man and made her the glory of the man, the beauty of the man, the celebration of the man. For as much as he is the image and glory of God. And it said, but the woman is the glory of of the man. So since God is a man, man is supposed to look like his creator. So the woman is supposed to be the glory of the celebration, the beauty of the man, not the image of God or the image of man. So there's two different things. And that's why man was not supposed to either, whether they had veils on or whether the guys were growing their hair real long and saying, new age, man, we can do, we're free. He said, no, that's not the way that we need to do this. And he goes down and continues to talk about it. So it's not so much about veils as about order, about being the person that God created you to be. So in verse 8, For the man is not of the woman. So men weren't created out of women. I know that archaeologists say different things, but I have a Bible record here. But the woman of the man. Neither was the man. I thought of a joke about ribs, but I'm not going to tell it because it's insensitive. Okay. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Not to be a slave, but to be a meat, a help meat for you so uh someone said that you know the woman wasn't uh the woman was taken a rib was taken out not to walk behind the man but to walk beside the man and if you have a we all of us have rib cages you know what rib cages do they protect your vital organs vital meaning living right especially your heart so it protects it's like your bulletproof vest that god gave you right And that's what a wife was taken from. She was a rib, one of those protections. And a wife is a protector, a blessing to her husband. My wife is a blessing. Do you always agree? Today we didn't agree. No, we're totally different. In fact, I probably have to apologize after church, okay? But we, she's a blessing to me. She's a protector of my heart. And so for this cause, let's see. Okay, verse 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels, a symbol of authority. You mean, does she have like fire on her head? What, you know, like a superpower? Long hair is a beautiful sign of subjection. And you see there were angels that rebelled against God. But the woman being in subjection, that long hair was to even be evident to the angels as a sign of her subjection, not to a man, but unto the Lord, as the angels needed to be reminded to be subjected to their creator. One third of them weren't. Did you know that there was a rebellion? They left and they went to work for the other guy. I mean, can you believe that? I mean, they saw Jesus face to face. It's not like they don't know if God's real, but they still took another offer and went to work for the other guy. The other guy, I don't even spell the devil's name right. When I write it down, I misspell it. I was in Bible school and they were looking at my notes and he's like, brother, you spelled this uh, word Satan or something wrong. I said, I do it on purpose. Oh, I don't capitalize it. I spell it wrong. I don't want to give him any glory. Okay, I want to give God the glory. So so the Bible, the Bible says that subjection, and I know that this might not be popular in today's society, but... If, you, if you're a Christian, this is what the Bible said. There's an order to subjection. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Not to someone else's husband, but to your own husband. Well, some people think that. It's like all men. No, it's not. It's just your husband, okay? As unto the Lord. For the husband is the head, the spiritual head, of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So there's that order again. And then it says in verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, that's everyone, men and women. So let the wives be to their own husbands in every thing. Now, not crime, not things that are wrong, but as unto the Lord, say, well, my husband said he wants to eat chicken every day. That would be me, right? But um, if that was something where he put his foot down, and I'm saying, I, well, as, 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 a, as, a, as a Christian wife, you don't have to eat chicken. He's not making you eat it, but to be subject to that, why? As unto the Lord. Make the guy some chicken. And I'm not trying to say as it, the, the, the man is also actually supposed to recompense and love their wives as Christ loved the church. It continues. So if I know that my wife's going crazy from cooking chicken and she can't look at chickens and she can't say the word chicken, I'd be like, maybe I had to cool down and eat some beef, okay? Maybe I had to cool down and eat some fish or maybe I just take her out to get a steak, right? Because the Bible says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So there's supposed to be a subjection one to another. And it says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We're really not supposed to try to like one-up each other. As a Christian, we're supposed to have the attitude of Jesus Christ. But there is a church order from the Gospels and from the Bible. So, uh, verse 11. i got three minutes. And six verses. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman... Neither the woman without the man in the Lord. We all need each other. And there are things that, you're, uh, that a woman or a wife is awesome at that a husband just stinks at, right? But you make a team together, together. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. What do you mean? Which one is it? Well, originally the woman came out of man, but... That's how childbirth works, right? So every man since that has come out of a woman. And God, that Paul is saying, look, men, aren't, men need women just as much as women need men. It's not that men are some great superior looking down their snout. I hope I don't treat my wife like that because that's, that's not Christianity. And if it seems like I'm ordering her around and stuff, and that's not what Christians do because that's not how Christ treats his people. And we're supposed to be an example of Jesus Christ in gentleness. For uh, 13, judging yourselves, is it comely, is it beautiful that a woman pray unto God uncovered? So men take their hats off in church out of respect. But this chapter, really, the coverings addresses hair because he's dressing the nature of people. And so a preacher, does God really care about hair? (laughs) Luke chapter 12 and verse 7 but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Yes, he cares about every little detail of our lives. So then it says in verse 14, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man hath long hair, it is a shame unto him. I used to work with a couple guys and years and years ago in a different state. And they, had, they were tough guys but they had really long hair. And you know when the women come in and they have like their conditioner in their hair and it's like nice and long and everything? They'd come in with like that freshly washed hair and they'd be like flicking the hair because you know it would come in front of your ears and it was just like, I don't care how big and tough you are, that just doesn't look manly, just to kind of move your hair back like that. You know, it's just, and you say preach, look, I used to love heavy metal bands and you know these guys, they would want to rebel against God in every way they could. You know one thing they did? They wore women's makeup, and then they did the poochy little, they did the little like poison and twisted sister and everything. Look at the pictures of them. They're like doing the kisses like the teenage girls, but they're men. And they, they kind of, they, they pose like women, and they grow their hair long. And tease it up and have highlights like a woman. Because you see, for a man to have long hair, it's like a token of effeminacy or softness when I mean, you do that. But really, and I, I used to love heavy, I had posters all over the place. I mean, I would like worship these guys. I wasn't a Christian. But um, if someone came into a church and they saw that, they'd be like, are these people trying to merge the sexes or something? I mean, even a trans person, there's a very famous trans person, and they were an athlete before. Okay, and they look like a dude. But do you know what happened when they said they were a woman? They have long hair. Why? Because it identifies you as a woman. They wear dresses and heels and everything. I'm like, why? Even a guy knows what a girl's supposed to look like, right? I'm not saying that he should do that, right? That's why it says if you're a man, you should be a man, right? And I still think, anyway, so that's, we're not going to go there. But if a woman have long hair, verse 15. It is a glory to her for her hair. So it's not talking about veils. It's really talking about hair is given her for a covering. Has anyone heard of Crystal Gale, the singer? No? Yes. Well, her hair goes down to her feet pretty much. She has. And I remember seeing her going, oh! I mean, I don't know what she sounds like. Actually, her name's Brenda, but she, was, she signed a... L- L- Loretta Lynn is her sister. And she were, they were driving to sign a record deal. It's like, you can't be Brenda. And they drove by this this restaurant called Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. said, so, you're Crystal. So they changed her name to Crystal. So, but they don't spell it like that. So anyway, but her trademark is her long hair. And she was going to cut it one time. And I think her daughter said, Mom, you can't cut it. You won't be Crystal Gale. I mean, that's you. So... um one more thing to say. I know because my wife and daughter don't cut their hair. Okay? And there will be people, and it doesn't happen all the time, but people will come up to my wife or my daughter and say, your hair, other women, is so beautiful. Now, guys don't do that because they don't know what it is to take care of hair, but women do. Women know what it's like to manage long hair, but it's something where it attracts attention from another woman as a sign of being womanly. So and it says, but if any man be contentious, we have no such custom, neither do the churches of God. So Paul said, you know, if someone's going to fight about this, you know, the, the contentious spirit and arguing over it, that's not what the church is all about. He's like, I'm just telling you what the word of God says, and I'm telling you about the order in the church. And really, this objection The subjection in our life, that's just one little thing, and actually the Lord's Supper is actually kind of the more serious part of this, but he was sharing that to share that that order and that division. It all relies, it all boils down to developing our subjection and our heart into God. Amen. And my my hair is this short because it quit growing, but if not I would cut it and keep it where I'd look like a guy, you know, I don't have to be doesn't have to be buzzed off i like to comb it. I I mean I had pictures when I actually had hair you could comb, right? But uh but a woman's hair, that long hair is a glory unto her. It is a glory God recognizes it, other people recognize it, and it shows a division of the sexes in the church as well. And again, someone might get some hate mail for that, but brethren, that's in everybody's Bible. So I mean, it's just many people have never many people have never taught it and and uh Praise the Lord. Let's let's dismiss. I'm over. Sorry for being over. Part two next Tuesday. Potluck this Sunday Uh, at this time. uh, Brother Spencer, could you dismiss us? Hey, God bless you.